Welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. Thank you, scary children. Yes, it's me, Marty Boston. Dan Wilson is with us once again. I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. Dan is with us. I'm excited. Dan, you're excited? I'm always excited to be here, Marty. Wonderful. Confined Entities is the name of the game this week, the theme of this week. You're probably asking yourself, what's the theme? What's this show? I'm going to tell you what this show is. This show is as followed. Me and Dan have chosen two films based around this theme. We're going to give you three bits of trivia, so I'll go first. A little bit of music will be played, not related to the film, what I'm speaking about at all. That's your time to try and work out what we're discussing. I'll come back, we'll discuss, and we'll go from there. So it'll be me, Dan, me, Dan. Simple enough, easy for you to follow. Confined Entities. Dan, what do you think of when you think Confined Entities? Yeah, it's kind of a um, it's kind of a confusing title. Uh, but I think all of our films fit the genre very quickly. Mm. Um, I, I think, in particularly in, in modern-day movie and modern-day cinema, there's, there's such an idea of having a huge spectacle. Everything has to be enormous, these giant landscapes and worlds and cities that are being built. But to be able to design a film in such a small and confined space as, as the films we've picked is, is really a challenge, and it's going to come down a lot to the dialogue and the direction, and it, these films really show that the power that an actor and a space has to be able to tell a story in a film. Yeah, you don't necessarily need the special effects, you don't necessarily need the big budgets and the different various of locations that you may be going to. You can have quite a small, isolated place and still have an amazing story told. Um, and hopefully, with the four choices which we've chosen this week, you can possibly agree. Did you uh, Did you have a hard time picking films for this one? Uh, no, I did not. It was very, very easy for me, actually. Um, did you? Yeah, no, actually, I agree. I think this is probably one of the, the times I've, I've picked the films quickest. You told me the theme for this week, and I was just like, this film and this film. Yeah. Whereas normally you're sort of having to sort of drag them out of me. It was really easy. Um, definitely both my choices. In particular, my first one, I feel like it, it just sums it up so easily as well. The second one, not so much, but I will explain a little bit more. Both of yours, though, hits the nail on the head. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think I have quite a lot to say about this theme and, and why I think it's such an interesting one in cinema. Mm. But perhaps it's a better conversation to be had after we discuss the films. Bingo, bango. And with that segue, I'll go on to my first. The film was shot in sequence in 2010, had finished filming in just 17 days in a Barcelona studio. 17 days, that's amazing. Barcelona? Barcelona, yeah, I'll go with it. Okay, yeah, nice. Clue two. The writer for this film created this story purely because of his limited budget of $5,000. It wasn't until Ryan Reynolds was cast as the star lead did the budget get picked up by a studio for $2 million. It's insane, isn't it? Just by a star Mm. that completely... Also, a relatively low budget, but that'll make sense when all is explained. Absolutely. And clue three. Ryan Reynolds states that he suffered from claustrophobia towards the end of filming, much like the character he is playing. This was mainly due to the fact that the blank he was in was gradually filled with more and more sand as filming went on. He describes the last day of shooting as unlike anything I experienced in my life, and I never, ever want to experience that again. 
I can't imagine many people wanting to experience what Ryan Reynolds must have experienced <laughs> during the filming of this film. Um, but I think I'd probably have done it for the amount that he was paid. Yeah, I mean, two million was the total budget for film, though. So it's yeah, not so like if you give me one percent of that, that's still what twenty thousand. Mm, yeah, so I'll t- I'll take it. Thanks, Ryan, and I will not complain about it either. You haven't seen this film, have you? It doesn't matter, mate. I've never seen any films. This is, it would be inappropriate of me to have seen the films we were discussing. But you are unaware of the storm in which this actor goes through with this film. It's it's brutal. It's brilliant, but brutal. Well, we're tantalising the fans. Should we, uh, should we give them a chance to guess? We will give you a few moments, and then we'll be back after this. is up imagine yourself you wake up and uh, you're expecting yourself in your bed you're looking forward to it you're gonna wake up you're gonna get up you're gonna have a cup of coffee maybe you're gonna go to the toilet first maybe that's your routine you're gonna brush your teeth you're gonna do whatever you need to do when you get up but instead when you wake up you're in a confined box a box which is a coffin and you have no idea how you've got there. The last thing you remember is you were knocked out. You can't remember why. All that you know is that you are an American uh, in Iraq, shipping containers, shipping you know evidence and information and supplies to the American army, uh, and that's your job. You know you are a nobody, and that's the situation which Ryan Reynolds is in in Buried, a wonderful film, a film which you don't really need to see a lot of times because, I'll be honest, it is brutal, absolutely brutal. This man, family man, got a wife, um, you know, he's just doing his job at the end of the day and he has this horrible situation which he's in when he has a lighter and a cell phone and not a lot else in this very confined box in which he has to stay for the duration of the film what's amazing about this film is you can imagine that if it's a film about a man in a coffin they'll do flashbacks and you know they'll they'll skip to other people not a single bit of that happens Mm. every single minute within this film is in the coffin and it goes on for an hour and a half as well to have you that heavily involved in a film which is in not only a small space coffin with one person a cell phone a lighter and something else which happens as well which i'm not going to go into that 
it's amazing the fact that they were able to pull that off and get such a high audience rating from this. It's got a huge rating on IMDb as well. So it's 7.5 out of 10, <clears throat> which considering the premise of it is amazing. On top of that, the fact that the writer made this purely for the sake, but it only cost five grand budget-wise, again, it shows why the story went down that way. It's an amazing film. Ryan Reynolds, it was probably the first film I saw with Ryan I say it like I know him. Hi, Ryan. Um, boy, hi, uh-uh. The first film I saw with Ryan Reynolds, and I was like, wow, this dude isn't just a comedy guy. He can genuinely act. It's a very serious film. Um, highly recommend. Wilson hasn't seen it at all. No, but um, what what is interesting is the fact you touched on the fact the uh, the director only had such a small budget. Mm. And that's a consistent theme I found through this genre, through looking at the information of the films we've looked at, is that... It's one of those really interesting things where when someone is limited by the resources they have, they have to be creative in terms of the film they create. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things with art is that when you are limited and when you only have a certain amount of options available to you, you're forced to do things in a different way than we've seen before, which is what makes these films so entertaining and so interesting. And it's definitely a theme that will come across uh, at least in one of my films. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I think that's, that's fairly consistent across all of cinema. Like, if you have to find actors who you've never heard of before, then you're going to get new names to the place. You're going to get new forms of acting. If you've got no budget for a for a location, you have to stick to small locations or free locations. And the the sort of Indian small cinema world is is really sort of richer for the sake that it has less options and therefore has to be more creative. Yeah, the dialogue I feel like really holds this. Ryan Reynolds, you know, is. He's speaking the entire time. He's very vocal. Again, he has a cell phone, which is that reason to be able to have a conversation in a coffin. You know, you're able to have that outside source. On top of that, I feel like this film in particular, especially for me, a genuine concern of mine is the day when I finally die... I don't die, and I wake up in a coffin alive, and no one knows I'm there. And Ryan Reynolds is there with his, his lighter and his cell phone. Well, he's not there, but my concern is is that I'm going to be buried alive one day. So I've already asked my wife to install a piece of rope which is connected to a bell up top so I can pull it if I am alive and they can come and collect me. Obviously, they would have taken out all my organs, so I definitely would be dead by then. But nonetheless... It is a genuine concern of mine. And this film really homes in on my fear and concerns that I'd be buried alive. I feel like no one would want to be in this situation. So it really home it's borderline horror to be torture as well. It is very much down the torture route as well. To be buried alive is a horrific idea. Absolutely intense. From start to finish, you really, really, really feel sorry for this guy as well. He's just there doing his job. And unfortunately, he's in a horrible situation with the war in Iraq and he's been caught up into it. Oh, God, it's absolutely brutal. But wonderful film. Absolutely amazing. Really enjoyable from start to finish. 90-minute film, so you can watch it very easily. However, you probably will need to watch something funny straight after it. Not an easy watch. No, not an easy watch. I don't think any of these films are easy watches. And we'll probably be better off talking about it at the end, but I think... Being tense and being stressed is definitely synonymous with this type of film. But we'll save it for the end. I think the discussion is yeah, easy to be had. I feel like the claustrophobic aspect of all of these films really homes in on the fact that you are on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's going to happen because although you're in a com- 
find space and you feel like you know everything which is going on. That's the whole point of these films. They give you the mystery. They give you the unknown, even though you're in a confined space. It's fascinating. Mm. It's good. That is my first choice. Buried, starring Ryan Reynolds and not really anyone else. I would give it a watch. No, I would give it a watch. Give it a watch. Dan, give it a watch. Okay, mate, I will. I promise. Good. I probably won't. No, you won't. Shall I move on to my first film? Please. Okay. Clue number one for my first film. All the bathroom scenes in this film were shot in chronological order to make the actors feel what the characters were going through. Mm. Clue number two. Directors James Wan and Lee Huanel wanted to make a film after they'd finished film school, but could only afford one room, as we discussed. However, they challenged themselves to create a film that only occurred in one room, and this film was the product, and it was considered one of the most profitable and successful horror films of all time. Number three. The film's screenplay was written in 2001 as a calling card for the directors, trying to break into Hollywood. They shot a low-budget short of, based on one scene from this film, and it proved successful enough that it attracted the attention of Evolution Entertainment, who immediately formed a horror genre arm called Twisted Pictures and gave the directors a budget. So this was the first Twisted Pictures film. Really? Yep. Amazing. They've, they've done really well for themselves as well as Twisted Pictures now. Yeah. For sure, yeah, you see it crop up quite a lot. Many, um, many. And their logo is brilliant as well. Yeah, the spike drilling through the oh, uh, through the barbed wire. Such a clever sets idea. Sets the tone very nicely. Massively. Okay, we'll give you a little bit of time to think about it, and we'll be back with a reveal. Yeah, not long to guess that one, but I think it's relatively obvious that the uh, the film this time, Marty, is Saw. Saw, indeed. Uh, the the horror film that I think the genre now is synonymous with with torture porn and being overly gratuitous with its violence. But the original film was actually a very interesting concept of uh, two men wake up in a room, a locked bathroom, chained to the walls. God, it sounds like such a different story already. Oh yeah, I know. Who uh, who are provided the opportunity to escape? Uh, they find small video like audio cassettes that say one of them has to escape, one of them has to kill the other to escape. Mm. And it's about how they got into that position, how they will go about escaping, and then they're unlike your film. There is quite a lot of backstory, sort of external. They they realise they're in the the hands of the jigsaw killer who's been known to to punish people and force them to go through uh, through punishments for their crimes. Crimes that he decides, um, in the case, things like adultery and, and lying and things like that. Um, and it's one of those films that is has probably got a bit of a bad rap these days, but it's very interesting because it, it forces, it's a very tense film, a very stressful film, very hard to watch. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sort of afraid of spoiling a film that's as old as this one, but just... 2004. Tr- exactly, it's 15 yeah. years ago now. Um, One person, tr- knowing that the only way to escape is to use the small saw they have in the room to chop their foot off and, and escape that way is, is brutal, because you know it's going to happen at some point, and only one of them can survive, and 
it's a really really grim film that's really dark and makes you question everyone's motives and who is the good person who is the bad person it's also a film that uses color palettes very nicely mm-hmm. it, it's a very grim dark film in terms of color actually after the first showing um the uh, the ratings board made them Im- like improve the mood of the color a little bit because it was too dark and too grim really but it, the, the film which then went on to spawn a franchise which is is questionable but was was very interesting and it's just about these two men in one room who are trapped and have to make it out and have to in order to do that, it's not just trapped. It's it, the room is almost a metaphor for the men themselves because they're not just trapped inside the room; they're trapped inside who they are and and the thoughts they have, and that they have to really look internally at themselves and and sort of express some of the issues and personal problems they have to to come to terms with why they're there and then work out how they are supposed to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those films that really makes you think about yourself and sort of question how you would react in a certain situation. And is just from start to finish very uncomfortable, which I think is the goal of the film overall this film kind of um spurred the whole concept of torture porn when it comes to films saw came out in 2004 hostel came out in 2005 then human centipede came out films like that etc 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 it was very much the bandwagon for people to get involved with this type of extreme gore that had been missed for about 10 to 15 years to say the least the the b-movie gore kind of surpassed from that and then saw came about hostile human centipede the very extreme brutal gruesome gore that was coming about it brought it back and uh for, for me personally I love films of all genres and the b-movie gore for me was absolutely wonderful really enjoyed it hostels it's a good film i enjoyed the first one to be fair um saw though in particular one and two two was pretty good one in particular and the moment which i enjoy is one of the flashbacks if i'm honest it's not about which one is guys it's about the woman with who escapes i'm gonna spoil that oh the one with the the reverse bear trap on her head absolutely amazing scene it's one of those moments when there's there's a timer and this woman has to take this device off her head otherwise he shows her with a watermelon doesn't he, he uh, no it's a, a mannequin i believe yeah that's it there's a mannequin and there's this uh, reverse bear trap on the mannequin's head and he says if you don't get this off in time this is what's going to happen to you and it goes off completely obliterates the mannequin's head or the watermelon or whatever it is and she is furiously trying to take this off it's a horrible moment and you can't help but be massively concerned that she's going to be the next victim because you've seen a few prior to this you're genuinely concerned that she's going to die that it's going to be a gruesome brutal moment and at literally the last second she manages to pull it off such an intense scene yeah there's not really a lot of time in this film where you're you're given breathing space mm. Um, which, which is which is is really good for this film because it, it does leave you stressed from start to finish, and I, th- I think it again sort of leads into you helping to understand the position the actors are in, mm. and and sort of feeling sort of involved. The, these films don't you're not watching them from an outside angle. You're watching them sort of pitching yourself in that scene and feeling stress and feeling the anxiety that comes along with that. They're not comfortable watches, but I think that's by design for these films. Absolutely, and which is why I think it's sort of so praised as a horror film because. 
to me, a horror film isn't just about making you jump or, or putting scary things up on a screen. It's making you feel emotions that you aren't traditionally ready to feel in a safe environment. For Love films, everyone knows they want to feel happy and feel joy and feel the happy sad at the end of it and, and tragedies you're going to cry during the film. The whole point of a horror film is to make you feel uncomfortable and scared and, and not right in your own skin. And I think this film absolutely nails that. And not having the happy ending in which you want as well. And yeah. this, again, hits for it, Yeah, it does not have a happy ending. Um... But then a million of other films in this genre in this genre in this uh, series come out, and it's it's not quite as good. But the first one, absolutely excellent, absolutely brilliant. Second one was good as well. I enjoyed the second one when we get a load of people into the house. And yeah, I, I think one, two, and three get progressively worse, but are okay, and then and then it's just a, a sheer drop off the edge there. But. And now they're trying to revamp it as well with the latest one, which was Jigsaw, which came out last year, I believe. I think it was probably older than that, but yeah, um, a year or two ago, it, it was fine. Yeah, it was mediocre at best. Not my first choice, say the least. But yeah, Saw. I would highly recommend watching it. Really enjoyable. Um, if you're afraid of clown dolls, maybe not so much because they are involved in the Saw franchise. Mm. But I really like the premise behind the creator of Jigsaw. The fact of why he's doing this as well. We didn't really go into that. A yeah, and I think that, that's well. probably one of the only interesting parts about this series of films that you learn more about him. Mm. But he's a he's a man who who finds he gets a terminal terminal diagnosis of cancer, um, tries to kill himself, drives himself off a cliff, and then survives it and realizes that actually people should be grateful for the lives they've got, and then punishes people who aren't acting in a way that makes them grateful. Yeah, um, but he is he's through and through a villain for sure. 100%. But it's amazing the fact that that small idea just popped into his head at that moment and created an entire franchise. Mm. It's very yeah, good. It's amazing. Good films. One and two at least. Shall we move on to your next film, Marty? Mm, yes. Uh, this film, to say the least, I'm really excited about. I love this film. I've seen it more times than, yeah, a lot, to say the least. All of the sound in this movie is diegetic, meaning that all music, speech, and other sounds all come from within the world of the movie, with the exception of a non-diegetic orchestral music heard in the first three shots of the movie. That's amazing. Clue two. The entire movie was shot on one set, which required months of planning and construction, the apartment courtyard set measured nearly 98 feet wide, 185 feet long and 48 high and consisted of 31 apartments, eight of which were completely furnished. The courtyard was set 20 to 30 feet below stage level and some of the buildings were equivalent of four or five, six stories high. Wow. Yeah. Um, Absolutely insane. <laughs> For a film of this age as well. Clue three. Alfred Hitchcock supposedly hired Raymond Burr to play Lars Forwald because he could be easily made to look like his old producer, David O'Lesnick, who Hitchcock felt interfered too much. Now, Wilson, to be true, you haven't seen this film, have you? No, I haven't. Um, I feel like this is not giving it away. You've not seen a Hitchcock film, have you? No, uh, not that I'm aware of. Um, 
Uh, although what I do know of Hitchcock, him being spiteful in terms of uh, his previous produ- was it producer you said? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it does not surprise me given the uh, the things he used to do to his actors and actresses and yeah, brutal. You know, anyone on his staff. He was a he was a, a deranged man as far as I can tell. Massively. Okay, we'll give you a little bit of time, and we'll be back after this. photographer i like doing it like this actually you're a photographer and um you're you're a famous photographer and you're in a moment and you take a picture and it's wonderful however whilst you're on the race course that car crashes into you and you break your leg horrible moment means you can no longer take photos for the magazine in which you do you travel all over the world you love your job as well you you love the fact that you can go out for days weeks months and not have a shower and take those pictures which you so love and you're in the 50s and technology isn't where it is now and now you're stuck in your apartment and you've got nothing to do and you're bored and you're you're in a wheelchair and grace kelly's your girlfriend who's interested in you who is gorgeous and you're james stewart and you are looking out of your rear window that's the name of the film rear window from 1954 this film was made many many moons ago and he's sitting there bit bored if he's honest he's he's looking at miss torso which is a ballet dancer who's opposite him and he just looks at all his various neighbors outside it's you know it's a block of apartments essentially and he notices this um couple in particular his bed stricken wife and uh this salesman who comes in and out and tries to be nice to his wife she's not really appreciative to be honest all of a sudden um it's night time and he's kind of fallen asleep and he hears this massive scream. You have no idea where it's come from. Curtains are closed. You don't know who's done it, how it's happened, etc. And through various ways, James Stewart's character, Jeff, assumes because of this, and the awkwardness of the salesman as well, that he has killed his wife. And he goes through various lengths and measures to try and work out if that's happened. And it's very much the case of did he do it did he not do it and there are conflicting bits of information throughout the film which shows that he could have done it or he couldn't have done it and that's what's really good about this film it doesn't it gives you a path in which you can go down but you can also focus on certain entities outside of that which could portray the idea that maybe he didn't do it maybe maybe that wasn't the case and the reason why i chose this confined entity is because although it's happening in a block of flats James Stewart's character, Jeff, who is very much based within the flat, 
is a confined person within this situation. He's unable to help anyone. He's unable to investigate the situation which is currently going on. And he gets help of other people to go out and look and investigate. It's an amazing concept. And it's one which has been tried to be done since as well. It's, it's been remade. Um, it's been slightly twisted and turned into other films as well. It's a wonderful film. My personal favourite when it comes to Hitchcock as well. Yeah, it's actually, um, just going back to what you say about, about him being helpless and looking through the window, it's almost the complete antithesis of, of Buried, where Buried tries to make the audience feel like the main character, feel very claustrophobic, mm. whereas in, in Rear Window, the main character is almost the audience watching a film. He he is there watching, perceiving, understanding, getting information, but is unable to act on it, which is how generally an audience views a film. So they're almost the exact opposite of each other. That's that's quite interesting that in this genre you can have something where it is so polar opposite and yet still fits into the theme. You're able to be Jeff in that situation. You're unable to do it. You can have a chat about it, but you can't physically do anything. Yeah, the real the rear window in this film represents the cinema screen to the average audience goer. Yeah, absolutely. It's a wonderful film. The story from start to finish is enjoyable. It's a film made in the 50s as well, so you still have that 50s feel of, although there's quite a serious topic of murder here, at the same point you have that light-hearted vibe within it as well. Again, James Stewart and Grace Kelly, both huge names in that time as well, working together, they, they bounce off so well as well. It's an amazing film. Um, yeah, definitely for me, one of Hitchcock's best. What I find really interesting as well... Um, is that this is one of the few Hitchcock films that Bernard Herrmann, which was his music composer throughout Thick and Thin, was not involved in this film. It was a jazz composer because he wanted a different feel for this film. It's amazing. Absolutely wonderful. If you're a Hitchcock fan, you'd fully appreciate who Bernard Herrmann is. But if you're not, you're probably asking, like Dan, who's Bernard Herrmann? Sorry, who's Alfred Hitchcock? Exactly. Bernard Herrmann is Hitchcock's go-to. Same... In the same way that Danny Elfman and Tim Burton worked together. Understood, okay. It was them too. Absolutely through and through. And he chose a different one. Amazing film. I'd highly recommend Rear Window. It's such an enjoyable film. Massively wonderful cast. The premise is good. The stage, going back to one of my clues as well, they made that from the ground up. And it is genuinely a place where you could have sat, slept, lied in, eaten, the whole shebang you could have stayed there. It was a wonderful idea. They don't do that now, obviously, because it takes too much time. Hitchcock wanted that to happen. Could have just found an apartment and done it instead. He made that in a stage from the ground up. It's absolutely amazing, but he went to that extreme lengths to get Rear Window to the level in which he wanted it to be. Very nice. Rear Window. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it came out in 1954. What are you doing? Give it a watch. I've been busy since then, to be honest with you. Yeah, living. Well, should we move on to the last film then? Mm-hmm. My last film. And the clues are as follows. Clue number one. Screenwriter Larry Cohen originally pitched the concept of this film to take place entirely within a blank to Alfred Hitchcock in the 1960s. Hitchcock liked the idea but he and Cohen were unable to figure out a plot reason for keeping the film confined to this space. Once the idea of a sniper came in, to, in, came to Cohen in the late 1990s, he was able to write the script in under a month. Clue number two. 
All scenes were shot in order as they happened, and the film takes place in real time. Clue number three. Will Smith, Mark Wahlberg, Jim Carrey, Mel Gibson, Nicolas Cage, and Thomas Cruise were all considered at some point to be given the lead role of Stu. I'm glad they went with who they went with. As am I. is up uh marty this film takes place in the uh the name of this film which is a phone booth oh uh one man who goes and phones his mistress one man one man indeed his mistress he's uh he's he's on his way home from work phones his mistress from a payphone so as not to get caught and uh just as he hangs up the call the phone rings again he thinks oh perhaps it's my mistress calling me back and um colin farrell plays the the role of Stu in this film colin farrell picks up the phone and uh answers it, only to find out there's a man on the other end of the line who is not too happy with him and his uh, adulterous ways, who says, if you leave this phone booth, I'm going to kill you. Colin Farrell laughs and goes to hang up the phone, but uh, essentially proves to him that a sniper is looking through the window when he shoots a toy robot that a local seller is selling near him. And this uh, this tells the film of a man who can't leave this phone booth and has to follow the demands of a man who is going to shoot him otherwise. And it's his negotiations with the police, his negotiations with the public. At one point, a load of prostitutes come over and demand to use the phone. He gets beaten up by, a, by their pimp. Um, and it's what to do when you feel trapped and you can't communicate because there's someone out there ready to kill you and what you have to do to survive in that moment. And it's, as as with the other films, this is uh, this is one of those times where the character isn't only trapped in this phone booth, but is also sort of trapped in his uh, his lies and has to come clean in order to absolve himself of the situation. Um, He's again almost limited, like Rear Window, to an extent when there are outside issues which is happening, but he cannot deal with because of something in particular in this situation, the sniper, but he's confined to a space. He's almost the audience that he's just watching what unfolds outside. But then he is also in direct control of his own fate. He's uh, ultimately, the point of this film is that the uh, the sniper, who is played by... Um, Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland, that's right. Um, he's He forces him to confess. He must go outside and confess to his wife about his adultery and about all, all the crimes he commits in his life in order to save his own life because uh, Keith Sutherland's obviously taken the the high road on this one. Despite the fact he's a man who has been known to shoot other people with a sniper rifle. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's again this idea that the, the phone booth is is synonymous with um, with the lies that Colin Farrell's character Stu has been telling and that he must break out of that in order to escape from the phone booth alive. And it's this really interesting concept that runs through all of these films that the, the environment they're in so clearly reflects their mindset and, and the position they are in in their lives and how that can have such a huge effect on them in order to break out of the room they're in, they have to get out of the lifestyle they're in. Um, which is which, which is really interesting to see a genre so, so synced up with the actual subject matter of the film. I like that at the start of this film, it doesn't start in a phone book, it shows Stu being an arse 
And, and I feel he, like, he is an arse, yes. And I feel like that's really key for this film because it has the turnaround of this guy who you don't like at the start. He's an absolute buffoon to everyone and anyone. And when you show that he has the mistress, so you hate him even more. And it's the story of this person who, at first, you believe has no nice side to him whatsoever. And that turnaround through vicious circumstances almost turns a new leaf and tries to make himself a better person. Yes, admittedly, it's at gunpoint, but he still does it, and you almost start to feel sorry for the man, which is impressive considering what a total arse he is. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's actually... My two films, I guess, I've picked are very similar because uh, Jigsaw and, and Keith Sutherland's character, whose name escapes me, obviously have the motive of trying to improve the person in the room through the wrong methods, admittedly, but it's about sort of coming face to face, face to face in such a small space with your own flaws, and then trying to you know improve yourself against them. Absolutely, but yeah, I mean, Phone Booth's a really, really good film. I like the ending, to be honest. I, I really enjoy it actually. How it, Forrest Whitaker's really good as well. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker plays the uh, the police liaison. For, yeah, uh, he's really good. When um, he clocks on to what's kind of happening, I feel like that's a really good moment. Katie Holmes is in this as well, which is a as, very as the wife, yeah, yeah, right. a very small bit part. The his mistress, don't think she's been as much to be fair. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. Yeah, but. I don't think she's been in as much, but yeah, there's a few big names and it. it's really good. Um, and again, with all of these films it really does show that you don't necessarily have to have the big budgets. You don't have to have Inception, which you're going all over the world, although I love that film. You don't have to be Avengers Endgame. I'm just picking films from 2019 and past 10 years prior, basically. You don't have to be Around the World in 80 Days. There you go. That's another film. Terrible film, but it's a film nonetheless. You don't have to go here, there, and everywhere. You can stay confined to a very small space, that will show a very, very good story. Yeah, and actually, I think sometimes limiting yourself can, can be a good way to produce creativity and mm. to encourage you to make a film that hasn't been seen before, which is why I think all four of these films are really sort of enthralling and really interesting and, and sort of draw you in for the entire time is because it's not something you've had to experience before. Yeah. Out of my two films, which one intrigues you more? Um, I think Buried, because of just such huge limitations and, and sort of that's what I find so interesting about these films. It is... An amazing accomplishment, but it was even made, to be honest. The fact that a studio was like, that's the one. Um, For me, if I hadn't seen the two films of yours, it would be Saw. Um, The premise of the brutality of it, but in addition, you know, the whole... The start of torture porn, essentially, when it comes to films, and the premise of two people trapped in a room, finding each other, finding themselves, trying to work out what's going on. Um, I feel like it's a really strong premise and definitely the first Saw film was brilliant for that mm. I must say Marty this has been a very good uh, very good topic yeah do a lot of good discussion yeah Confined Entity is a really good one and I don't feel like it's one which comes up enough as well when you think of genres of film it's a very unique theme when it comes to films mm. um, although you are limited in the choices that you have when you do think of Confined Entities you can normally think of a few to say the least and this show has clearly shown that very nice. That is the end of this week's show of Sound and Vision. Next week, I'll be back with another guest and another topic. But until then, Daniel, thank you very much for joining us once more. Marty, thanks very much for having me. And until then, have a week. <laughs>